This is the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes. What is up, Gorilla Social Workers? We're stoked to sit down for another Gab Fest with your hosts, Jeff Fanta Pants Moore, and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both forensic psychotherapists that specialize in the clinical treatment of folks involved in the criminal justice system. We love sharing our misguided musings with all of you, and we thank you so much for your ongoing listenership. Today we record another installment of our Villains to Victory series with our former client, Jack. Jeff and I love catching up with Jack and we know you will enjoy him as well. If you like what you hear, please be sure to trap the five-star ratings arm between your legs and pull on his head until he taps out. And now, on with the show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Wait. So, tell tell me a little bit about that. Like, so you. Well, what? So, we're recording, by the way. Okay. We've been for right. a second. Hello. And when you. <laughs> so. Uh, so yeah, dude. It's a. I'm, uh, this is this is Jack. Everybody. Hi. Yeah. Nice hey. And when you're uh when you're talking, can you just get yeah, a little yeah, closer. Yeah. Get, like, get close. Get, yeah. You, dude, you're it. a musician. You ought I, to know I, this. I can make love. Mace yeah, has to remind me twice a podcast to like be right here, right upon it. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, it, it's funny cause, um, yeah, he doesn't, you don't, you never listen either. Is it the beard? Like my, their beard gets in the way of my listening. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only loser in the room that can't grow a beard and I literally can't. Nothing. It's summer here, summer there. Um, well it, it, it looks like you could, right? Kind of, but this, it like, it gets to a point and it just gets annoyingly like short and then, and then it doesn't grow anymore. And then when it does, it's all stringy. I'm like, oh my hell, I can't do this. You need the beard so. toe. I mean, you got to cover up that butt chin, bro. Well, that's a sign, dude, that is a sign of strength, son. Okay. You know, Gaston had one of those. Yeah. Well, in that case. I've based most of my life on Gaston. Dude, wasn't he the most G villain of all of them? He's the one. I don't even know. think he was a villain. Oh, he dude, he, beach, right? he, he was, he was kind of the yeah, hero yeah. of that. Okay. But I'm just <clears> saying like, did they have. When was that? I mean, he's technically a villain, but when was what that? did he really do wrong? Not much. I'm I'm saying like I'm like if you look at it from his perspective, I was thinking about Cobra Kai, that Netflix show. You ever watch that? No, I don't watch TV. Oh, you're one of those guys, huh? <laughs> no, but like uh, you know uh, Johnny from Cobra Kai has his own story about Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh-huh. If I I just want to hear Gaston's side of the story. I mean, he obviously you know fell off that cliff, but we don't know if he died. I mean, uh, you know, he's a G. <laughs> but dude, I was like. I, so the other day it was funny cause I went to go to breakfast and I, um, and I, we had, you know, it was like a company thing or something like that. I was with a few people and, and lady came up and said, what do you want? And I was like an omelet, but I was like, how many eggs can they put in it? They're all however many you want. And I said, can you put 10 in there? And she like, I love however many you want. And then she gives me like this, what? I'm like, <laughs> well, you, you said, however many Get a baker's dozen dude. And everybody, everybody was like, what? And I'm like, dude, they're eggs. It's slime. Like you can drink them. They're yeah. really simple. Right. And I was like, I live by Gaston rules, but, but did you like in his song, it's five dozen eggs that dude eats a day. Right. 
And I don't know what timepiece it was, but do you think there was a little cocaine going on back then? <laughs> I'm just saying like something. Ha- what, what era is Beauty and the Beast set in? Like the early 1800s? Yeah. Somewhere around there? Yeah, that sounds right. I, I mean, I was thinking like oh, he had man, to, he had to like, he had to like, <laughs> just think of the mentality that you had to be. Like there is an actual beast, an actual monster. And, you know, and he's just like, let's go. I five dozen eggs. Like that's basically <laughs> steroids back then. And cocaine. Like, let's go, buddy. I'm like, what, what would compel a dude to do that? Except for something like that. It could just be a courageous son of a bitch. I guess. There yeah. totally had to have been. I found a bottle from the 1800s digging and it had a pouch in it where you pop the top, you drip your cocaine into your drink and mm-hmm. you drink it. What, what's this? A bottle that I found from the 1800s. How do you know it's for Coke? Cause we <laughs> looked it up. Me and, my, me and my girlfriend, it's in my kitchen right now. It's a little old bottle. I mean, it's all drank and there's nothing in it, but. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's there's nothing better. I mean, well, I don't know personally, but I mean, like, that's the whole thing. Isn't that a side effect of Coke is like you, that you get super Ten brave. Ten feet tall and bulletproof. Yeah, exactly. That's any drug. Yeah. <laughs> that's any drug. I'm just saying, Gaston. Booze. Yeah, booze Gaston will do probably doing a little yayo on the side yeah. there. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So, hey, th- following through. Dude. <laughs> I, I thought we jinxed it because last week I told Jeff too, I was like, I don't even want to say anything about this because on our last podcast we recorded because I was like, every time I do, it falls through. And for sure, like right at the last second, clients, I got cancer, dude. I can't come anymore. I'm like, well, wait a minute. You should have known about that a minute ago, right? <laughs> I've always got time for you guys. Oh, that's always. what I like to hear. Yeah. So, so, uh, I, sorry, I interrupted you back to, so you, uh, Record deal, huh? Yeah. Like you, so you, you completed treatment. Completed uh, treatment. Okay. That's kind of the end, but I kind of want to start there. <laughs> like you completed treatment and then what, what happened? Uh, I finally got approved to get married. So I got married. Approved. Approved. My probation officer would not let me get married until I was off of paper. Really? Yep. What was the rationale? Did they ever give you a... She wanted to make sure that I was serious and I wasn't going to break this girl's heart. Uh, is, okay. <laughs> Does that okay? Yeah, that's a weird restriction. <laughs> yeah, I guess if yeah. you give a direct order, though, you kind of have to roll yeah, with it. Yeah. Okay. So well, good job following we, that. Yeah, we got married, and I left to Eugene, Oregon, and was going to go the mecca of yeah. music. I heard. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> and and drugs and oh and, yeah, and bums and and uh, hippies. Literally, yeah. sil- oh, yeah. like psilocybin just grows everywhere, oh. everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. And there's a dispensary on every corner. It's, just, and it's like when you walk around in Arizona and those they have those mist things uh, coming more, down. It's just acid. acid. <laughs> there's there's more pot stores than there are 7-Elevens. Oh. Where's, oh. where's Eugene compared to like Portland? Uh, two hours away. Does does it? Because <clears throat> I I've only heard that. Portland's really taking a nosedive. I don't know. Is, is horrible. Eugene, really? It's all horrible. Uh, Eugene is, li- it's just tense. Everybody lives out there in their tents. Wait, were you up there like in the, like during the protests and stuff? No. Oh, no, back here. I was yeah. going to hear some fun yeah. stories then. No. Right? I, I, I got some, I got some good stories for you. Yeah. So while I'm going to tattoo school, I am going to this church with my fiance or my wife at the time. And, uh, I get scouted out. I had to, I had to send the college, which happened to be a huge college. You, have you guys heard of Switchfoot? Switchfoot? Switch 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 yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Went, they went to the same college I did. Oh, wow. And so when I was sitting there, I got a year scholarship and went to music college for one year and they gave me a record deal. Switchfoot did? No, no. The, 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 the college, college did. Oh, Switchfoot okay. went to the same college. And when they gave me the record deal, 
So we, we go into the studio and he says, what's your band's name? I'm like, well, I don't really have a band. I was just kind of drinking some beers and passing around a mic and mm-hmm. bumping some beats in the background, but I'm also musically inclined. So we go into the studio and I write a song in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. go down, we write lyrics. And as soon as we're done, <clears throat> the guy's like, holy shit, man, you guys are going to be famous. Mm-hmm. Like next day we get hit up and, and he's like, all right, Jack, I need you to come in, but. I need you to just bring just the one buddy with you. I don't want the other guy with you. Just bring the one friend and dress appropriately. And I'm like, okay. So we go in and I go into this office. It's like probably a $500,000 studio, just massive equipment and everything. And there's dudes in suits and everything. And they lay a $50,000 contract in front of my face and a $50,000 contract in front of my other friend's face. Mm -hmm and said, we need you guys to finish an EP. We have the first idea for your first music video. We're going to send you to Hawaii first. You'll be in Hawaii for two months, and then we're going to send you across to Europe, and you're going to go on a two-year tour in Europe, and we're going to drop your album everywhere. What happened to the other dude? They easy eat him? So (laughs) one day me and my ex-wife are at the bar, Okay, and he decides to come pick us up. I was like, hey, man, we're drunk. Can you come pick us up? Yeah comes to the bar, comes and picks us up. We get pulled over and he's like, I don't have my ID, man. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have your ID? You don't have a driver's license? No, I don't. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they write down the wrong car, the car make everything. I'm like, bro, take this to court. And he's like, all right. Well, (laughs) then next day comes by and I'm like, hey, how did it go? And he's like, man, F you. You weren't even there, bro. You don't even care. (laughs) He's going off on me. And I'm like, dude, when they need me, I'll bring in my car. No, you weren't here, man. I thought you cared. I pull up at home and I have this big, gigantic Hawaiian buddy with me. And when we pull up at home, there's 10 dudes that are waiting to jump me. And so one guy's like, I'll pull you out of the fucking car. And I'm like, hey, bro, you ain't got to pull me out. I'll get out. And then yeah. my Hawaiian buddy grabs me and goes, sit down. <sighs> and so I'm like, all right. He gets out and just snarls at everybody. <laughs> everybody freaking was like, never mind. This dude's, this dude's massive, bro. It's massive. So they bounce. Well, I go and I talk to the producer. Ten, ten dudes? Yeah. Oh, dude, this, he must have been this dude, jacked. This dude was like, the, the, the Samoan dude, he was probably like six foot seven, 300 and some odd pounds. He's ma- massive. Like yeah. his, his fist was massive. It's a good type of friend to have. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I always pick the big friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, so I go into the producer and I go talk to the producer and I'm like, we're both about to get $50,000 and get sent overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, what is this kid going to do? Cause at the time I was 27 mm-hmm. and he's 19 years old. Yeah. I'm like, what's this kid going to do when we make money when he's got money in his hand? And I said, Hey man, I wrote all the music. I wrote all the lyrics. I played all the instruments He's just got a good voice behind a microphone. So, so wait, what was the, I mean, what was the beef over? Because you didn't. Because I didn't go to court with him. And, and do what? Represent him? Represent him. <laughs> Which, that doesn't make oh, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Kid, kid shit. You know what I mean? Like was, you weren't there to support me? Yeah. Or? I'm like, he's doing little kid shit and we're about to get a record deal. Yeah. And well, I mean, what, what was the, what was the ticket over when he got pulled over? Not having driver's license. Oh my head! What would yeah? But what would you even do? Give moral support? Yeah. You go, dude. You got yeah. it, buddy. Yeah. 
he was mad because it was going to trial. And I, but I, I told him to, I said, take it to trial, man. They wrote the wrong information. I'll bring yeah, my car I in. Owe, I don't owe this on this vehicle. That's on the ticket. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. This is what you get for giving legal. <clears throat> advice, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I go in and I tell the producer that I don't want to work with the kid and, uh-huh. and you know, that doesn't look good in a business deal. Right. We just gave you guys a record deal and you're breaking up. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the deal was off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, luckily he had it. So, yeah. Because he, so he was the vocals, huh? Voice of an he, angel. Well, I did vocals as well with I was gonna him. I going to say, you can then, sing. Yep, yeah. I did vocals as well with him, and, and, but he was doing like rap. So what we sounded like was like Linkin Park. Oh, Everybody okay. said we sounded like a new Linkin Park. Okay. And it was... It was tell me you didn't have that one lyric in there. Does it even matter how hard you try? (laughs) No. no, How do you get that into every song, dude? It was was good stuff. It was good stuff. I believe it. I believe it. We used to come and serenade our groups. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll come come back and do another one. My favorite is you just just put him on the spot and he's like, okay. (laughs) Wow, look at that. It's funny because anytime any client sometimes, you know, they just get claim to fame, you know, things like that and verifiable things too, which is weird. I was like, you know, I got the internet, right. You know, and they'll say things and then, uh, and then, uh, you call them on, Oh man, I can't today. I'm tired, bro. I'm like, you know, Oh, okay. I, I see yeah. where that's coming uh-huh. from. <laughs> I'm always there and I'll always be real. Yeah. 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 So right after so, is the cool part right after my, oh, uh, Oh, we haven't reached the cool part. Oh yet. no, we nice. haven't even reached. Okay. There's, oh, there's so many cool parts. All right. So right after, uh, um, while I'm going to school, my wife at the time starts getting very insecure because her man is getting a record deal. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to Starbucks and go get a coffee and the girl would hand me change. And as we're pulling away, what you want to fuck her? I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. And it started becoming a daily thing. So she was worried about like groupies oh, and oh, stuff. Oh yeah. I'm about to leave cause I'm about to be famous and it, that's not even where it was at, you right, know? Yeah. And so I kind of got fed up with it. And while I'm going to school, I'm going to get a piece, like going to get some pizza. So I got tattoos on my face and I, I go to get some pizza from Little Caesars and Little Caesars had just got robbed twice at gunpoint. So the lady goes, you look scary. Uh, you want a job? And I said, cool, I can use a part-time job. <laughs> those two sentences don't usually go together. I, yeah. I thought the next thing was yeah, like, yeah, she pushes yeah. one of those silent yeah, security yeah. buttons under the table. You look scary. Do you want a job? <laughs> yeah. So I get hired for the night shift nice. to be the front desk when people come in. And one dude attempted, he comes in while I'm there and he's got his hand in a backpack. And so all I do is just start mean mugging and I reach down and grab myself a little chili packet. And I'm like, what's up, man? And the guy like walks out with his hand back in the backpack, like, oh, never mind, man. Walks back out. And so I give some lady a chili packet. Like, all right, cool. I got this. Uh, and uh, wait, the chili packet was, you were pretending that was a like gun. Like I had a gun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> although, oh, yeah. although like if the shit went down, you could throw that in his eyes. So after the fact, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm done with this relationship with my ex-wife and. And I, and I, uh, asked my boss if I can live in a tent in her backyard. And so my boss is like, yeah, this is such a Jack story, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> she brings in, uh, she brings in your this, boss at little Caesars. Yes. Okay. Yes. So then she brings in her best friend, which is now the assistant manager, my boss. Uh Oh, and she happens to be, uh, you know, a redhead. Uh-oh. And, uh, what was her name? Michaela. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if it was a redhead named Tiffany, well, you are in so, trouble. So, so it's no. crazy. So it's the best part. And I really was intrigued in this girl and she was my boss and she comes up and every time that I would try to flirt with her, I'd be like, what's up girl? And she would just turn beet red. And I was like, wasn't Man. that always, Oh, it would made it so easy. Look at Jeff right now. It just made it so easy. And, uh, so me and this girl start talking and things are, you know, like they're, 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 uh, we're clicking, but it's the first girl that I've ever like actually had a platonic friendship with instead of trying to be just about sex or, hmm. you know, uh, oh damn this girl's bad you know it was yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like man you have a really great mind you have a really good heart i would really like to just get to know who you are so she was aesthetically attractive but also attractive just intellectually yeah, personality course, wise and you course. wanted to get to know her better yes okay oh yeah and it was my first so i like i've every girl i get with i've never been single really since 18 years old i have yeah. a girlfriend three days later and cheated on every girl i've been with mm -hmm. and was a was a slob you know but things over your life start to change and and I wanted to be better morally. Like I wanted to have better morals. That's what I strive for every day. And so I was actually really good friends with her. I never tried to make moves. I've never tried to do any of this stuff. And so one day she's like, Jack, I love you and I'll go anywhere with you. And I'm like, okay, I had no intentions of leaving Oregon. And she goes, let's get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I, I want you to chase your music dream. I'm like, all right, where do you want to go? She goes anywhere. I said, well, my, my mom lives in Massachusetts. So we decide to leave. We just bounce out and we head to Massachusetts. Well, my mom's psycho. And so is all, <laughs> so is all my brothers and sisters down there. Well, Dude, like this is, these are like, I am, cause I, cause there's a time when I first started working with you and, uh, I mean, some of these, it, it, I've always kind of admired this piece about you is like just the the willingness to go, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I mean, when we were, can you imagine, like, I, I'm like, like if you move, you move your house, right? And you move it like, oh dude, I was on this block and I, I moved, I went from Ogden to Riverdale, dude, I don't know if I want to do that commute. You know it's, what I mean? It's so opposite from anything I'm familiar with and I'm, 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 I'm envious in a do, way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like you're, you, you find a groove in your, in where you live and stuff like that. And then, and then all of us, and like, you're worried about a few blocks north. <laughs> Jack's like, let's go to Massachusetts, yeah. Oregon, Massachusetts, kindred spirits. Yeah. So we, so we head out there and, uh, when we get there, I'm like, Hey mom, we'll do, we'll just be here for a little bit. And it's right next to New York. So I was like, New York's a, a Vecca, you know, I could get a band going out there and get something moving. Well, it lasted two weeks at my mom's house. Mm -hmm. So we're there and we walk into the living room one morning and my little sister throws a boiling pot of ramen noodles on my brother. <laughs> and so Michaela comes out and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And my little sister punches my girlfriend in the face. Wow. And because she questioned my the sister. Boiling. Yeah, my, oh yeah. My family's psycho. My family's psycho. And, uh, so right after that, I'm like, I start yelling at my little sister and I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? Punching my girlfriend, you know? Yeah. And 
I said, go ahead and try that with me, little girl. And my mom comes up and my mom's like, blah, blah, blah. she starts yelling at me and this and that. And, you know, when I was younger, my mom was pretty abusive. So I put my chin out to my mom. And I'm like, hey, go ahead, go ahead, pop me in the chin. You want to do that? I've had this shit my whole fucking life. Mm-hmm. I said, I just came over here and gave you 2000 fucking dollars. I've been babysitting your kids. I said, you think I fucking need this? Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I'm out. So we pack our shit and we're headed back to Ogden. So <laughs> when we're headed back to Ogden, I call my buddy up. Is this all Greyhound? No, this is all our our nice little Honda we have. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, oh, okay. Brand new Honda. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a long drive, dude. It was great. It That's was a so long drive. It was so fun. I had so much fun. With I have fun video. with drives, but I mean, they got to be like, like they have to be planned a little bit. You no, know what no, I mean? we're just spur of the moment. Oh yeah, but it uh, kind of fits. In line <laughs> with everything yeah. About yeah. You. Oh yeah. So. We get, so I'm on the way back and I'm like, Hey bro, is it right if me and my, me and my lady come stay with you? And, uh, he's like, yeah, sure. I don't care, man. And then we get back into Ogden and the moment we get back into Ogden, we unload the car. We move, we move everything into his house and he goes, Oh yeah, bro. Just so you know, uh, I'm getting evicted at the end of the month. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I saw like how all your friends are surfers. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much music, music surfers. Like, yeah, like in Oregon, they tell me I sound like a ghetto surfer. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Ghetto surfer. Well, because it was like, um, it's funny when I first started working with you. So you're back here now and you've been here since, yeah? Oh, yeah. We've been here for five years now, back in August. Same girl. Five years. Same girl. Michaela. Michaela. Oh, okay. We're, we're, Shout out to Michaela. Yep. We're engaged. It's nice. the most honest relationship I've ever had in my life. Congrats. Uh, I've never cheated on her. Nice. Holy cow. Wow. How, how much of that do you think has to do with the, the way your relationship started? All of it. All of it. All of and it. I would say honesty. Honesty is key. That's one thing that I've learned, period. I don't care where you're at, who you are, it, be honest about ev- everything in your life with your boss, with your spouse, with yourself. Honesty, honesty is key, hands down. There's no other way to live. That's why they say the saying, an honest living. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. the, best, that's the best way to live, period. Well, well dude, I, like, so that might be the, the thread that I'm looking for here because like, as therapists, one thing that we look for is, you know, stability in yeah. the way that people live. And so like what, like two of the major factors that we really try to emphasize with people is like, you know, stable living situation, you know, stable employment also, you know, like, uh, family relationships, things like this. And, uh, you just got through telling us a story where like stability was at the Nothing. bottom. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But, and, and like you, you have a very like fly by the seat of your pants, way of living, which on paper looks risky. And and yet like, so I was asking like, well, what was the common thread with this girl? And you, you're, you're talking about honesty. So it's, it's like the, the, the usual stuff, you know, stability, the things that we look for to say, like uh, this person's flying straight on paper. It's, it's, it's not there, but like you're, you're talking like integrity and you stick into your word and that that's what's allowed you to have the first, if I'm understanding right, honest relationship where things and, and, and that the, the beginnings of it didn't start out with you just trying to get laid. Exactly. It, it also, you know, I've always looked at as honest, honesty is kind of scary when you think about like very hard. It's the hardest way to live. Being a gangster is hard, but being honest is way fucking harder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quote it, son. Yeah. Like I, well, I was thinking about like this, like 
at least initially, it would be it would be difficult, particularly if like you you're up to no good. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. And um, and uh, but I I think the real value in it, like, and you maybe you can help me with this because I've kind of talked to clients about this, and I was thinking about like, I always go back to that that movie Liar Liar, Jim Carrey, awesome show. Oh yeah. But it, I was just thinking like it really initially it sucked because that's kind of how he lived his life, but then it kind of turned into a prophylactic thing, like he. He stopped doing dumb shit. English, what the hell is prophylactic? Oh, preventative. Preventative, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he stopped doing that stuff because, <clears throat> because he didn't want to have to tell the truth about horrible things he that he was, was doing. doing so himself, he, yeah. he started modifying his behaviors. And that's kind of how I always told clients. I was like, that's where it's a, a true commitment to that prevents you from engaging in the bad behavior. So you don't have to cover those up or make, you know, like try to worry about consequences. You just don't want to have to be honest about those, yeah. you know, in the future. It is a hard concept to commit to, though, but it sounds like it's worked out for you pretty well. Oh, yeah. Most most issues start with a lie mm-hmm. and it grows. You you start with one that's little fair point. You start with one little white lie and that one little white lie turns into a little bit of a bigger lie. Yeah. And then you start realizing like, damn, I'm pretty fucking deep. Yeah. It's in some lies there. Well, on that point, can we do a Tarantino on this story? And like, yeah, because you, and like skip all the way back. You're you're talking like most issues start with a lie. You know, the the listener is going to want to know like how you got in at what, what were the series of events that led to you sitting here talking to us today? So when I was a teenager, I kind of did not, I wasn't ready for the world. I wasn't understanding of my emotions. Thanks to alpha. I understand my emotions. Well, you were a teenager, not ready for the world. And you were confused about your emotions. Oh yeah. So so (laughs) bad, so bad. And in, in my family, uh, I was hearing things that I shouldn't have been hearing as a kid and, uh, seeing things that I shouldn't have seen as a kid. And I thought that sex was a form of love and that's how you showed love. And so my father being the rock star that he was, that dude had countless girlfriends and there was girls in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out of the house. So by the time I was about 16, 17 years old, I was tired of getting connected to these females that my dad was bringing in. And he tells me, Hey, I'm getting married to this woman. And I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's just another fucking girlfriend. Well, she had a daughter and with that daughter, I became very close. And I thought the way to show my appreciation and my love was to connect with her sexually. And through the years after it it had passed, I moved out and I had gotten married and she came back to me and told me that, you know, she, she, she was mad. She was mad at me because she felt so in love with me and this and that. And I'm like, you know, our parents are married now. So this at the time, at, at the time that you guys were having sex, um, it, she wasn't yet your stepsister. They weren't married yet it or was, where they were. It was it not yet. And then they got married in the midst of it. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, so she came to you later on years later. Right. And, and, and okay. And then she got, and she, she got mad and you were pointing out the fact, Hey, our parents are married. Okay. Sorry. The the week this, this relationship can't happen. Okay. And 
I didn't know, but she was actually wearing a wire. Oh, really? To get, to get my, well, my father was the one that was pushing the, to get me tried. So how old, when the, when the, uh, when the sexual contact began, how old were you and how old was she? She was, uh, 14 and I was 17. Okay. And so this, this came to dad's attention later on. Yes. Okay. Cause she was tired of holding it in, which I understand, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, so I had basically, I went in and talked to the detective and that's how they had got my charge. They asked if I had raped her and I said that I did not, but mm-hmm. they, then they said, did you sleep with her? And I said, yes, that was my conviction right there. Was that yes. Okay. And so after that, they didn't want me to actually have to live, live with the stigma or live with the title or anything, but the state of Utah picked up my charges mm-hmm. and tried me as an adult. Oh, okay. So even though the offense technically, they, they were charging you with an offense that you, that you, yep. that you committed when you were yep. a juvenile. Yep. If did you it, are did being it, tried yeah. above the age of 22, uh-huh. you can be tried as an adult in the state of Utah. And I was 22. Did the behavior continue into adulthood? Like till you were 18? I would say definitely like addictions into pornography. And no, with her is what I'm asking. Oh, no. Oh, no. okay. Okay. No. So, and, and one dist- I and I assume uh, like that the, the behavior was consensual by how you were describing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And one thing for listeners, like, especially on the clinical side of this, um, this, this happens a lot because you'll have, uh, you know, I realize there's age of consent laws. And so, yes, technically, when they're younger, they can't legally consent to that. And we do kind of have a way of describing that. So, you know, there's there's uncooperative and cooperative is, is usually the words. I mean, do you use any other words no. than that? That's kind of the words we use for it. So, um, I mean, we're not trying to minimize it. We're, we're, it is uh, an important distinction, though, because there is another layer of, um, yeah, potential risk that's associated with, like, what we uncooperative or forced like those that that is another dynamic that we try to consider. Um, if it, if it's cooperative, that, that also is something different, but we do want to distinguish those. We we're not, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I, I think it's important to distinguish cause that greatly impacts the way that treatment goes. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, like forced, like what, what people think of when we think of like forced sex, you know, there, the motivations behind, forced sex or, you know, maybe going to be based around like power and control or, you know, anger or just, you know, a person that maybe feels inferior in life and needs to exert control over somebody else. And, and so there's like a prescription of sorts for helping somebody work through those issues. And we have guys that have those issues. And then on the other side of things where it's a cooperative, you know, the, the, the motivations that lead to somebody that you said 17 and 14 mm-hmm. is, uh, it, it, power and control might not even be in the ballpark. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, maybe like something to do with, you know, decision-making. Uh, oh yeah. My decision-making was horrible at that time. Yeah. 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 Well, you were, you were 17 kind of goes without saying, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to excuse <laughs> no, it. But. I get it. I think, uh, I think men are stupid in, in, until about 28, 29. Oh yeah. And females are dumb I've s- I've until said about this. 25. Did I, I said right. it before and I was looking, I, I just, man, I, I was looking at, uh, there was a, just a presentation I was sitting through the other day at the jail looking at crime statistics, I was like, just mandatorily, 
if you're a male, you have to be locked up from age 18 to 25. And we would, there would be no crime, crime in this the country. Best, the, best, None. the best thing that I could say. <laughs> you just to, go to prison. The best thing that I could say to people with a sex offense, uh, honestly, right after you get smacked with a sex offense, it is probably the most daunting thing that hits your life. And it almost makes you more depressed. It makes it harder to live. It fills. And in the very beginning, you don't know what to do. Well, yeah. How did court go? Court uh, was... Uh, I mean, did you what, just plea? Is that what ended up happening? Oh, yeah, totally. I was scared to shit. I mean, I didn't know... Because they probably gave you option A. Yeah, well, we'll send well, you to and my dad forever. And my dad's that, uh, that all-American, don't go to jail as a sex offender. Mm-hmm. You're going to get it. You know? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was going to jail as a sex offender. Like, here we go. Right, right. And... Uh, I mean, it was, it's, it's hard. I mean, living, living in jail as a sex offender. Yeah, it's definitely hard. You so gotta, what was your sentence like then? What do you mean? Like, so you were sentenced to what? I was sentenced to two, one to 15s okay. and the prosecuting attorney, which was my public defender, which is more like a public pretender, <laughs> especially if you don't have fucking money, Yeah, you know? And, uh, He's like, man, you're looking at fucking 30 years, so you better take this two-year plea. Oh, yeah, and if they I ran like, it I concurrent. better fucking take that two-year plea because right. I don't want 30 years. Yeah. But, and, I mean, you're, you're right, though, about, like, how daunting it is. And there, there are people that listen to this that, you know, are new into treatment or maybe even not that far along. And so you're, you're talking oh, about oh, it's, this it's, well, me against the world type. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, like, so one thing that I was uh, talking to Mace about earlier is, I had never been to a, a segregated jail before. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard, you know, like you just got to pay attention to the, to the rules close up. You know, I've, I've, I've been off of paper for about eight years now and about a year ago. And when you say segregated, what do you mean by that? Segregated. They put you in a pod that with only sex offenders, instead of being in with, with murderers and drug dealers and gangsters. And why do they do that? So you don't get beat up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's intuitive to us, obviously, yeah, yeah, but some course. people listening, they'd be yeah. like, wait, what is that? What, yeah. Why would they segregate? Yeah. So, so I was blown away when I went to Davis County and was in a segregated jail mm-hmm. and, and late at night, I, there was these kids and, and, and I'd be talking to them and they're like, man, I don't even dare to drive down the road because I might drive by a school or, you know, I can't go to the store because there's kids in there. And I'm like, bro, why are you making this such a big deal? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're headed to work and you happen to drive by a school, but you're headed straight to work, you, that, that, that school shouldn't even be in your head. You should be headed to work. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, you're not going to violate. So the, you still had the presence of mind a little bit. Like you were freaking out. It was you against the world. You're facing this huge, big daunting thing, but you still had maybe a, a kind of a realistic presence of mind. Or that, was that, was that later on? That was later on in the beginning. Like, okay. to be honest, like I, I, I had went to jail and I lied to everybody in jail about my charges mm-hmm. and I had a whole entire pod turn on me. I thought I was going to die. What'd you tell of, them when you first came in there? I've got into a fight with my dad. Okay. Yeah. No, that was fucking <laughs> and then bullshit. they figured it out. Oh yeah. It was printed in the newspaper. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. And so I came back from like a, a meeting or something or like a, like getting a booster at the jail and, and the whole entire pod's like, Hey man, guess what? You better tell us your charge now. I was like, Oh shit. Wow. So I told them. That's how they confronted you with it? Oh, yeah. The entire pod. And I was like, well, I'm going to die by 60 some odd dudes right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I I end up 
telling them and they're like, well, you're young, man. Let's fucking, you know, just be real. Don't lie in here. When you're in here, you don't, you don't lie. And I'm like, all right. And so I was ready for it. I worked out and ran my little crew in there. And what was that? I mean, that initial, so like when, when that, when the, when it was happening, you know, when all, all this, uh, you know, when you're having sex and everything, did you, did you know what you were doing was illegal at the time? To or did be, it even come into your mind? It, it probably didn't even come into my mind, to be honest. Okay. To so, be honest, it so was. It, I mean, it wasn't as if it wasn't as if, man, I could be a sex offender for doing this. Yeah, no, it not at all. Not okay. at all. What was it like when, I mean, you heard the charges and and then not just that, like the conviction, and you knew, especially like because you had to register. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, when like, I heard everything, it was like that I had just committed murder. Wow. Like I felt like my life was completely over. Yeah. Over. Cause we all, I mean, we're fortunate enough. I think that, I mean, we, we work with a lot of clients who have committed a sex offense and like the idea of a sex offender in my mind, that word doesn't mean the same thing as yeah. it did to me like 30 years well, so ago. Yeah, it's, you know? it's my fiance now, you know, she's got, she's, she's got a whole new outlook on it, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, just people. And I mean, I think people just need to, uh, to, to ask you know, and, and get to know the real, the real you. I mean, yeah, sure. You made a damn mistake, but it's not who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, uh, like I'm drawing a brain fart here. How did you feel about coming into treatment though? Cause they eventually they'd send treatment, you to the, to, to be to, honest. So to a halfway house with us. So yeah, that, that was, that was actually further down the point. Mm-hmm. It, it ha- what happened, man, is I did eight months in jail. I got out. My life was over, so I went and fucking shot up heroin. I went and shot up meth. Really? And I was like, fuck my life. Mm-hmm. Fuck my life. So you're supposed to get into treatment oh, at that point, oh, but I was you supposed, didn't. I was supposed to be on probation, and I ran. Okay. I ran. Then I ran for so long, and then I turned myself in, and I came back, went to jail, get out, go get high. Yeah. Go get high. Fuck yeah. my life. Fuck my life. You were and slamming was, heroin. Oh, hardcore. Yeah. Every drug I could get my fucking hands on, I was, I was just gung ho. Right, every day that I was, I was outside. I wanted to fucking die. Pretty reckless. Oh, dude, c- completely. Yeah. And so, time went by, and I finally started hitting that age, and I came into treatment. And, and to be honest, you guys have changed my fucking life. Yeah. Even to this day, and I am so appreciative of it. Yeah. That's why I will always be here for anything you fucking need. Dude, it was hilarious when I, your shift leader, when uh, it was so funny, like, cause you know how they get like the shift leaders, like the, like they, they just, you know, they, they, um, shift leaders, like a probation officer at a halfway house. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't get me wrong. I love them. Like I love working with them, but it's like, um, they, I don't know if it was like your shift li- and I loved her. She was one of my favorite. Miss like, McGee. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite. I loved her. And it was just, it was just funny because she prepped me for you. Like that, like this guy isn't going to last and this guy is going to be the worst thing on the planet earth. I'm like, Oh my God, Hannibal Le- Lecter going to walk in here. Yeah. And I mean, I was relatively new, you know, I wasn't like very seasoned at the point. So I was like, okay, let's go. And then you came in and I was like, oh no, like quickly. I was like, man, I like talking to Jack. This is great. Like <laughs> it was, it was really like really quick, easy to, to talk to you and engage you. What, and what it, was he like early on in treatment? I mean, not much has changed, honestly, personality wise, right. you know, <laughs> like, and I think, uh, it, it's, it's funny. Cause you go like in that environment, I, I, you have to, 
I think it's always a little gamey with your therapist. You kind of have to be. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's it's not because we are representatives of the, you know, quote unquote system to some degree or another. And you guys know full well, we're pretty good about letting you know, hey, <coughs> you have to report this, that or yeah, the other. Of course. And um, and I don't know, man, like you just when you're at the halfway house, I don't condone certain behaviors there in terms of like breaking rules. However, contextually, I understand it. I understand like why decisions are made and how they're made. Um, it, it doesn't excuse them or anything. And there's still consequences for those, but I'm like, it's, it's like being in jail, you know? And like, there's certain decisions you got to make in there that normally you wouldn't make. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, and I, and I love, that's the whole thing. That's criminal thinking. I'm like, well, no, it, I, it is, it is. But like, you know, it's, it's, this is not reality. So, but no, it was, it was uh super cool because, um, I mean, even like day one in group, you know how like sometimes dudes are in group and they're really meek for a period of time. Meek or they'll put on a front. Right. Until they just become comfortable. Like it just has never really changed. Jack's been Jack from jump street. You know, I, I think I, I forget exactly what you and I did at the halfway house. I might've done your intake. Maybe. Yeah. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. Do you remember my PPG where my wiener exploded? <laughs> you might have to tell that story. <laughs> Dude, the, but what? Exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never got that reading before. Well, yeah, let's say you have the headphones on, you know, and I can, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to these, you know, these little clips in the background and mm. I got the little, the best box, the box on my lap and, mm -hmm. and then I got Jeff and Meyer okay was that good or bad you know? is that what you did <laughs> okay. you say it like that was that good baby did you just call me baby yeah. oh no, no and no. then I'm sitting there and like it's like nice and quiet like so there's a nice warm fire and my back is to the fire. This is good or bad. And then all of a sudden, this box falls off my lap. And then just loudly over my ear set, I can hear, whoa, man, your uh, penis just exploded. <laughs> I'm like, I am so sorry. It just fell off my lap. Okay. I, I, That's I can right. Tell. Dude. So, so like on my side, all I have is like a laptop with like, imagine a, like what looks like a heart rate monitor, maybe that I have that, like those types of readings and the, like the graph is going the, up and down. Yeah. The like, graph yeah, is yeah. going up or down. And the idea is that I'm supposed to be able to tell if there's like a level of arousal shown. Yeah. So, well, so d d for those of you who don't know what a penile plethysma yeah, graph yeah, is, yeah, yeah, don't, don't look it up on your computer cause you'll get some viruses, right. <laughs> <laughs> but basically uh, there's a gauge. It's called an idiom gallum gauge. Right. Yep. And I mean, just imagine it's, it's like a, a rubber band basically that uh, goes around your penis and you're supposed to, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing in the world, by the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, it sounds fake. <laughs> like it's like a joke. Like we're not like, like you're going to about to say like, just kidding. We don't really do that. Dude, I'm telling you, like Jeff and That's I had really a legit done. conversation with each other when we were being trained on this. And and we I, I was just thinking to myself, like we went to high school together. And, you know, I think we had aspirations for doing things that were way different back then. And Jeff and I are sitting in a basement in Salt Lake behind the Ronald McDonald house. And there is this guy. He He's, you know, a hunchback, <laughs> you know, I'm a literal hunchback, yeah, yeah. right? Actual named Humberto rest in peace. Um, and, and we have this mother and daughter or no mother and son, huh? This mother and son, <clears throat> right? They're the only other, <clears throat> excuse me. They're the only other people who are, who are doing the class with us. 
And they're going to do like a mobile PPG unit, which was weird in and of itself. And they seemed a little too close. Like a taco cart yeah. for wieners. And then a dude <laughs> who comes in for his test, he's like going to volunteer. And we're, we're sitting there listening to this creep tell us a story on here and watching the graph of a man's response with his actual penis. And then Humberto, the hunchback, is telling us what's going on. I'm like... Could you have convinced yourself as a 14-year-old that we were going to do this? Like, if I could write a letter to myself that went back in time. Like you need to go a <laughs> different direction, future like, self. Choose to do something <laughs> yeah. different. But, yeah. So, anyway, weirdest thing. So, yeah, you you measure your flaccid, too. You got to measure yeah, your flaccid yeah, yeah. penis. What the, the what I've is heard, it? I've heard some Circumference? Stories. Yeah, circumference. A circumference of it is. We pick a gauge that's consistent with that. And then, essentially, if you're listening to these scripts, we, we, we tell the client to like allow that to kind of develop a, a fantasy in their head and they will either become aroused or not. And then the gauge will measure that. And we have controls on them. We have a breathing apparatus to <clears throat> measure their breathing. Their pre- the reason why Jeff was asking if it was good or bad was because there's a, there's Little a button. button that there's a series of beeps that are going on at the same time that you're supposed to press it once or twice, depending on if it's cooperative or forceful. The and, button wasn't working. So yeah. I had to ask him. Oh, that's why you had to yeah. ask him. And then they have, uh, galvanic skin responses on your, on your, so, so you can just imagine these two apparatus and, and you got a creep on one side looking at this, this, <laughs> this freaking <laughs> thing. And then this dude on the other, but yeah, so, so you were the, the, the button broke, huh? Yeah. The button, the button broke. So like, cause again, the purpose of the button, just to reiterate what you're saying is for Jack to basically communicate to me if the scenario is coercive or persuasive. In other words, yeah. like, you know, like it, it, is there force being used, you know, or, or is it like a kind of like a grooming type sexual encounter? And I, just love the I wasn't getting the readings. And so he, yeah, like I had to like ask him and after each scenario, like, is that good or bad? And you know, <laughs> you could have used better uh, words. Well, was I that mean, good. I, yeah. and, don't, and don't worry, my fellow friends, you cannot fail. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. Well, we it's don't, a, we don't do that silly thing anymore. It's not what? a pass. I fail. was one of the lucky ones. I know. Dude. Why? Thank yeah. you. We still have all the gauges. We ever want to give it a shot. <laughs> give it another try. Yeah, yeah. The gauges are so sensitive. So like what the, it, again, cause it's, it, it measures just like the slightest fluctuations in blood flow. Yeah. And so if like, like for instance, if I have a client that's in, in, you know, it's all strapped up and everything. If he just adjusts the way that he's sitting in the chair, even slightly, I can tell there's like a reaction because things move like just the, the slightest movements. It's super sensitive. And so like Jack was saying, this thing falls off his lap. And so physics, it, it gives Jack a good tug and it sends my <laughs> chart through the roof. It, like it, it, it looked like his penis exploded. Yeah. I was worried, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. Well, no, and me too. Yeah. Dude, even in treatment, even when we were going in treatment, didn't you, you absconded for a minute, didn't you? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And that was, it was crazy because one day, how long were you gone? What time? Like the first time. The when, very the, first no, wait, time hold on. The, the longest time. Two years. Two years. And then he just came back. And then you like, you turned yourself in, didn't yes. you? Yeah. And that's when I got you, Mace. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, at yeah. first I had, um, uh, Melissa. Yeah. And then I guess she got busted for being out to get sex offenders. Oh, later on. Like, like trying to really get them removed upset. or something. Yeah. Oh, Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know about that. I had some, there was some sideways stuff going on. Well, totally. at the time this was an alpha, this was snow Canyon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Alpha is amazing. Yeah. There you go. 
But um, people are going to think we paid you. (laughs) No, no, this is not paid. But see, that's why that's why your shift leader was like preparing me because this guy he's not going to last. Because McKee McGee was the one that had my back. Yeah, on paper you 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 shouldn't have. Right. Oh yeah, no, I was narcissistic. I was unwilling. I was. Oh yeah, totally. But the story that you told me is as far as you coming back, and then that's when you were with Grace at the time, right? And and I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then since then, I it but um it, it went. I, th- I felt like, you know, trajectory went pretty well, well after that. I'd say, honestly, like she was, she was an honest girl uh-huh. and she chimed into my head. And that was the one thing is, you know, she's be honest with, with, with your therapist and be honest with everything, Jack, don't try and fight it. And to be honest, Mace, you were, you were easy as shit to talk to. And I mm-hmm. felt comfortable talking to you. And it was like probably one of the first male figures in my life that it actually, I felt was there for me not not just being a therapist but actually being a friend and being there for my actual well-being and the 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 assignments that you would help me out with and how you would kind of work around like I'm not the best writer I can't really write stuff down on paper too Mm -hmm. well and you'd help me work with that and you'd work with me instead of just like here's this fucking thing do it Mm-hmm. You know, like, all right, you're having trouble here. Let's see what we can do to fucking help you out, bro. Yeah. And, and a lot of the assignments, man, I actually enjoyed them and they, and they still to this fucking day still, they're still, I'm the therapist to every one of my fucking friends. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 All of them. Well, no, thanks, man. That means a lot. That's, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad it worked for it. Cause I, I mean, that's one thing that I knew going into it, like it was, we were going to just have to be patient, but that's sometimes that's, I mean, one of the biggest messages to therapists is just have some patience with these guys. You know, I mean, I, I get it, you know, like if, if you, cause you, not that you're overwhelming. I mean, you're just kind of, your, your personality is very outgoing and, and you can, you know, I, I could see how, I don't know. Sometimes you might be rub people the wrong way. But oh, totally. People yeah. fucking find me annoying sometimes. Yeah. But no, it was it was awesome. I mean, what do you honestly looking back? What do you feel? Because this is like this is what a lot of people look for, and I don't know if there's a clear answer. And it's it, because it's different for everybody. Um, what do you feel like was a, a good turning point for you? Like where where did it really start to get traction? I mean, even if it was when you were working with me, what was it that you felt like? Oh shit, this is this is really starting to make sense and I really need to kind of change up what I'm doing. To be honest, I would say it wasn't even in treatment. It was years down the road and I would say it was within myself at about 30 years old, Mm -hmm. about 29, 30 years old. I uh, just realized, I mean, the Vikings believe that you're a fucking man. If you're a man and you got a sack hanging between your legs, act like it, be a fucking man, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I would try and work really hard and try to earn my life and earn things that I wanted. And I, and I, and I let go of the stigma for my fucking self. I was like, you know what? Cool. I carry this title, but you know what? I really don't give a shit anymore. I don't care. That, that I noticed that even in treatment though, that was really, uh, refreshing because I don't know, like when you work with clients, do you, I, I don't pussyfoot around it, but I do, I am sensitive to it though. Like, you know, the term sex offender yeah. or calling you sex. Well, offender. I would say, I would say how you would, how we would be in group and you would definitely say like, you know what? Motherfuckers laugh. 
Yeah. Let's, let's crack a joke. Yeah. I'm going to joke about this right now. Sure. And yeah. it would like, you made it, you helped make it not so much, so much like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, like, well, you, you did a good job taking the wind out of their, out of the sails of this. I remember one time in group, <laughs> you, you had me, I was showing a video or something. I can't remember. And you're like, Hey dude, look up this video called sex offender shuffle. And oh, I'm like, that, wait, that came from Jack? yeah, that came from Jack, dude. Oh, and I was man, like, that's... I was like, wait, what? It's all, it's totally appropriate. Just pull it up. I'm like, please, I don't want a virus. Okay. Like, <laughs> we looked it up. If you, if you can look it up on YouTube, it's pretty damn funny. And sex I was like, shuffle, right? and, and it was just, uh, and I was thinking, I was like, man, like that, there's, there's a lot of power in that. Like you take this stigma that's supposed to be debilitating and it is, I mean, it's not like an awesome stigma to live with. And, and to some degree you kind of, you know, you just trivialized it in your own way so you could get over it, you yeah. know, you know what? And the, like for the listeners, it's, it's, it's a tricky balance and not everybody can pull it off because the stigma, it doesn't do our clients any good to feel like shit about themselves. And at the same time, we're asking you as the client to take what you did serious, you yeah, know, and, and to be able, yeah. And, and so like, I think sometimes when people that maybe wouldn't have the ability to like observe a 90 minute group for the better part of 18 months, they, they wouldn't really know quite how, uh, you know, a therapist and a client can like navigate that to where there's a time and a place to laugh, crack jokes, you know, uh, and there's times to be serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, I, I think that you've done that well in that you, you know, even when you just laid down your, the story that, that landed you here, you, you acknowledged, I, I didn't hear you make excuses. You acknowledged that what you did wasn't right. You told your side of it and you had some, you know, you, you, you were serious while doing it. And then at the same time, then you're, then you and I are cracking jokes about your penis exploding, yeah. you know, lighten the mood. Yeah, exactly. And I like, th- there's such a, I think a pressure in uh, sex offender treatment to have everything be so like stoic and serious. And sometimes uh, I hate the word shame based is like overused now, but that clients end up coming out the other side of a treatment program, just having learned to like parrot back the phrases that they think that the system wants them to say, yeah. you know, and telling your therapist what they, what they want to hear you and think they want to hear. Exactly. Man, they're fucking here to help you. Like you have a dude like Mace, he's, yeah. he's relaxed. He's still, he'll, he'll, he'll extend some trust your way and actually play the sex offender shuffling group. That, that shows yeah. that he trusts you enough that if you vouch for it, it's good guys crack up. It's a funny ass video. <laughs> and then, you know, that there's a laugh. Ha ha. Yeah. Funny. And then it's, it's down to business. And now you guys are talking about the, the serious side of it. And that I'm assuming that makes it way easier for you to actually open up and tell Mace what's actually going on with you as opposed to like, okay, what do I have to say oh, to yeah, get there, Mace there, to just sign be, off on my shit? There'd be, there'd be petrifying times that I'd go in and I know that I fucked up. Like, I'm like, oh damn, I fucked up. And I'm like all day at work. Like, oh, like part of me was like, I'm so fucking scared to tell Mace this because I know he's got to report it. Dude, there was one, there was one that I, I was like, oh damn, dude. 
Jack is making some changes here. Like you'd always been pretty honest with me about things. Eventually, like I mean, uh, oh yeah, there was no, I, uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. eventually things <laughs> yeah. came out. It wasn't you, perfection, was it? No, oh, no. but there was <laughs> there was one, and it happened. I mean, it happened. Um, do you remember this? It was in this office, and there was a client that um in this gave office. you a ride in this office. Oh yeah, from the office. Uh, I do. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me. Do you I actually remember? was yeah. thinking about that the other yeah. day. T- t- tell that story. Yeah, that's happened? that's great. This is crazy. So so this is uh the 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 client who um probably scared me the most. Okay. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, he actually that's yeah. That's, okay. That tattoo right there is by him. Okay. Okay. In the halfway house. Wow. Nice. That's pretty good for the halfway house, bro. <laughs> and one eye. Wow. So, oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're we're sitting here and, and I'm headed home and Mace is like, man, why don't you just have, just have him give you a ride home? And I'm like, all right. And so I ask him, I'm like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, I'll give you a ride home, man. Well, we get to my house and I'm trying to do treatment to the, to the, to the gourd. I'm trying to be straight. I'm trying to be like, all right, I'm fucking serious about this. Well, we get back and some people got that mentality. And as soon as we get back to the house, he's like, hey, man, you're going to take a fucking shot of that liquor right there. Or I'm going to beat your fucking ass before you get what? out of this car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know the story. Because he had alcohol in his yep, car. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, <clears throat> and he's like, he's like, you want to go to the club with me real quick? And I'm like, no. He goes, all right, well, you're definitely going to fucking take a hit off that bottle before you leave my car. And you'd been sober for a hot minute. Oh, oh, the whole time. The whole time. Right. And so I was like, all right. So I f- take my fucking shot off the bottle. And I put it back, and I was fucking petrified. Wait, what was going on? What What was the decision making that went into you actually taking that drink? Uh, Give us some context. I don't want to get that. my ass beat right now. Because the I guy want, that you're talking about. Uh, oh yeah, That's, he he looks like the guy that'll put a knife in your fucking yeah. stomach in two seconds. You yeah, know? has a history of it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, all right, fucking take my bottle shot. Yeah. Here we go. Okay, all right. I got to tell Mace about this shit. Here we go. And yeah. it was. So what was that decision making process like when you knew that you'd violated? And you knew that you had a session with him later on. It would have been real tempting just to kind of let that one ride out. How I, did you decide I, to tell him? I, w- I wouldn't say at that point in time. I think I think after forming the relationship, it was actually a relief to tell Mace at that point. It was like, I just need to get this off my chest. Wow. And, that's great. And I, I think that's how kind of like at first, yeah, it is, it is very hard to be honest with your therapist, but I promise the more you do it and the more that you're honest with your therapist, the easier it becomes. And I, and I think that even plays why, what I was saying earlier, just about honesty and how I've learned, I think that was my first taste of honesty mm-hmm. and realizing where it'll get you in life. Well, it, it's kind of funny. Cause you mentioned like, like ho- old school, hardcore, therapists who they, they do that. That's, that's like their thing is, I, I mean, so anybody listening to this, we're by far and away not trivializing sex offenses. That's not, that's not what's happening. What is happening though, is when you're running this, like, again, you, you know, you want to be, you want your therapist to be somebody that you can talk to and can trust. So, you know, um, the, and it's just part of my personality, part of your personality. And it's not, well, all we're saying is, is if you create an environment that is really confrontational, really restrictive, you know, like you have to use very specific language, um, and stuff like that, then you guys, it actually makes it easier for you in my opinion, because you know, you know, I have only a certain set of words that I'm allowed to say. 
And because if I step outside of that, I could get kicked out of this program. So I can't say these other words, you know, that might indicate, um, like an example for Jeff and I was when we were, when we were, um, first starting there, I had a client who in a group session, we, we, we watched a clip and this was of, uh, and it was, it was a victim empathy group and, you know, it was of this, um, really sad story, like this little girl, um, she was being molested by her priest for years and years and years. Right. And, um, prior to that, her, and you gotta imagine this is like a 45 year old, right. Kindergarten. And her dad said, Hey, if any, like a lot of dads do, if anybody ever touches you, you tell me and I'll kill them. Right. Um, and this little girl, as naive as she was, asks one of her friends in school, Hey, what happens if, you know, your dad were to kill somebody because she's currently being molested. Right. And, then her friend says, well, he goes to prison forever. And so then she says, well, I didn't want to tell anybody that this was happening to me because I didn't want you to go to prison forever. And so her dad's like beating himself up later on down the road, right? Okay, sad story. Sad Super sad, right? And then I paused it and, you know, and I'm like, okay, so let's just talk about this. Like, I mean, you know, this is a side of things that we don't see. What do you guys think? Just some initial impressions. One of my clients... He just was like, cry me a river, get over it, build a bridge, get over it. Like really inappropriate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wildly inappropriate. Um, and so we worked with it. I didn't like boot him out of the group or anything. I was like, you know, I just kind of said, man, that's crazy that you'd say that. Where's that coming from? You know? And I, I didn't get mad at him or anything because I could have, you know, or kicked him out of the group. Now I brought that up just in passing, not even like as a major issue. And it took over the treatment team. And next, by the end of that treatment team, that client was removed from the program for saying something in group. Right. And I'm like, well, hold on. That's really indicative of where he is in treatment. And the fact that he felt comfortable enough saying those, I, I agree. There are crazy things to say. There are horrible things to say. That's why he's here, man. That's why he's here. (laughs) So that's okay. We got time. I got nine yeah. more months with this yeah. cat. Like I can work through this. Just chill. And they booted him. And and I think that sends the wrong message because so I realize that now I'm, now I'm sitting here as a client and I say, okay, well, I can't say that type of thing. So I just keep on this narrow track and I only use these few select words because there's like 20 things I can say. I'm like, I just say all those things. And I write in the sunset. In reality, I don't believe any of those things. And I haven't learned a damn thing because I've just, all my whole strategy was, what do I need to tell this Stick guy? Stick to the script. Yeah, yeah. And I just, <clears throat> so I appreciate that, like, it's really reinforcing to me that we we provided a forum for you to, like, just be genuine in your thoughts and be able to get those out, knowing that, yeah, of course there's consequences because we don't control those either, but that that we developed that enough trust with you that you were able to work through some of those. That's that's super cool to hear. That's like everything a therapist wants to right. hear. So, yeah, that's you excellent You guys remember stuff. Brian? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get in, get out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure do. Yeah. Another good example of something that would not be allowed to be said in yeah. other treatment groups. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And you don't like, and it is kind of a so, girl on a bus and I feel like I just want to get in and get out. <laughs> yeah. Dude. And it's, it's and that again, that, that tells us it's like we can make a rule that if you say that you're kicked out and a lot of treatment providers do, but then all that, that client learns is, Oh, don't say that next time. I can't speak. I can't speak. Yeah. Whereas and by, and, well, look, by the way, the mileage runs out on that. Okay. We do risk assessment, which we go over with you guys on a regular basis. And ha- if I had a client saying that, I would say, Hey man, look, 
here's what I'm giving you on this score and here's the reasons why. And we got to get this score down. And here's let's talk about that, because I really am curious why, you know, you think this and what are some more effective ways of thinking this way and going from there. But I don't approach it confrontationally like it's collaborative. You know what I mean? Yeah. And eventually on and it this happens rarely, but it does happen. That risk elevates so much that we say, hey, he he's he's too risky to be in the community any longer. And we make that recommendation that it's rare, but it does happen. And I'm, and I, I feel really good about that recommendation because I know we've done our due diligence and that, and that not that that guy deserves it. I'm not saying that because like you have to be fully committed to your clients when you're doing this field. I truly believe that, and they may not believe this, but I'm saying, look, unfortunately with your, with your behaviors, Going to a confined setting like a prison and doing treatment there is better because if if you pick up new charges, think what's going to happen to you. Oh, yeah. You'll be further involved in the yeah. criminal justice. Yeah. Right now, your sentence structure has not changed. We're just putting you in a place where you can get, you know, like really solid, secure treatment in a controlled environment. So these other things you're not so triggered by. And it does happen. And, and that's fine. I'm, I'm fine with those decisions. But, man, it just... I just wish more treatment providers thought that way, you know? Yeah. There's not too many people that are cool like you guys though. Yeah. Well, that's what I like to hear. Come to Alpha. Here you go. (laughs) Well, dude, speak. Yeah. You're going to have to come back again. This is awesome. I will. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anytime, huh? Uh, uh, You guys have me till the end of the year. What happens at the end of the year? I'm moving to Texas. Texas? What part? I'm going to be going to like outside of Fort Worth, Weatherford. Okay. Fort Worth. What's out there? I'm actually, my fiance is getting moved to the factory down there. She works at a, at Oatly here. She makes oat milk and mm. she's a hard ass worker. I freaking love her. Like a promotion or something. She's getting a fat promotion. So yeah. she's going down there and I am going into piloting. I'm going to be a helicopter pilot. Oh, cool. Are you serious? Serious, dead serious? Have you been looking into school and everything? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah it's $12,000. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Me and my lady, That's awesome. me and my lady right now have about $10,000 in the bank. We've been saving money. We've been working very hard. Dude, um, I love this. I was like, tattoo, then I'm going to be a musician. Ah, fly some helicopters. That's Jack, dude. That is you, Jack. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want something that'll be fulfilling. You know what I mean? Like it's not every day you get something fucking cool, you know, like right now, my lady, people can ask her, what does your man do? Well, he's a fucking construction worker. That's great. Hey, that's know? honest work. It is. It yeah. is. It is. But, you know, I want something fucking cool. And I would like to. Pilot's you know, pretty cool. Yeah. Piloting would be sweet. And what I'm looking into is for uh, offshore oil rigs. And I'll be picking up uh, containers from the oil rigs and and uh, pick up people from the oil rigs. That's how that works. Back. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think yeah. it works? Boat. Helicopter. Yeah. Boat. Boat and, uh, So I've looked into <laughs> it. Crazy so I've, I've, I've looked into it. And to anybody who's interested, there's 600,000 helicopter pilots short in America right now. What? I didn't know there's 600,000 helicopters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, wow. That's a, yeah. It seems like an industry to get they, into. So. Uh, they also hire felons. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Okay. And that's awesome. Yep, yeah. No background. No, none of that. I could stuff. have never guessed that. I yep. Just be healthy. I can never predict what there you're you going to do next. Dude. I know. 
And again, like I said at the start of this, usually that's and like I still do music. Okay, so next time, next time before before you before the end of the year, we got to come back and find out where this stands. Well, the final the final podcast maybe maybe uh not the final one for him. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll yeah. come back. Year. I'll come yeah. back to Utah. Well, I yeah. mean, if you guys are like, maybe hey, where you at? Come back to Utah. <laughs> you need to give us a sample we can use for uh, intro music. Oh yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. I'll write you guys something. If oh you yeah, exactly. there we That'd go. Be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for coming by, brother. We'll have to do this again. All right. Okay, man. And that about does it for this installment of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to trap the five-star ratings arm between your legs and pull back on his head until he taps out. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please help us grow by sharing with a friend. We'd like to stay and chat longer, but we're lying. Good night.